Hello and welcome to The Common Denominator, a place where I like to create a common ground with very complex affairs. Sometimes the only thing we're really missing is a perspective on how these affairs work. And I'm here to try to shape that for you, try to help you along, to help you shape your world, to try to bring an explanation to some things that may be slightly imperceptible. What's up? So, today, I want to talk about cannabis and why why it's here, why we have it, why we use it, the basic principles of it, and it's kind of the good ways of helping you being a good consumer <laughs> as far as cannabis is concerned and go, we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about the principles and the basics of it because I find that this whole subject matter is you know primarily centered around a lot of the ignorance of the subject matter and a lot of the bars that it's being held behind are based on the principles of it are based on like really false equivalencies of this whole thing uh, one of the things that likes to like trip me out about this is that it's considered to be like we have like there's so many myths around this about what it does about how it works for people and I just want to go through we'll even talk about like um, even the stuff that's legal that they have out there in the market because I know that there's a lot of people that are like uh, wanting to know about like the Delta eight and ten and seven i think compounds that are out there in the legal markets and like what those are and um you know how they compare i suppose or what the information is around them um so i guess one of the first things i want to break down into about the cannabis experience is like well what is cannabis like what is like what is weed <laughs> um well like the first of all is that like a lot of people will tell you based on like the basic uh, on its on its most common knowledge that um weed is like uh people will tell you about thc indica sativa that's probably about what uh, most that they know and that's before i got into industry myself like i really didn't know much more than that um and it turns out there's a whole level of things that is far beyond i think even what they've been trying to demonize it as and these this information is what's been so crucial as to like how it was capable of being demonized in the first place um so the basics of cannabinoids well the cannabinoids are basically what creates this on like this experience that we seek after in weed the cannabinoid refers to the every chemical every chemical substance regardless of its structure and origin that joins the cannabinoid receptors of the body and the brain 
and that have similar effects to those produced by the cannabis plant. So the case in point is the fact that there are other plants out there that we use like sage and lavender that also produces the same effect as cannabis. The only difference is that cannabis, it happens to have that um, has about 180, 80 to 100 cannabinoids and about 300 non-cannabinoid chemicals with the two main ingredients found in cannabis. Um, the two main cannabinoids that you can find are going to be detra, Delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol, which is THC, and cannabidiol, which is CBD. And it's commonly known, the two are commonly known and responsible for psychoactive effects. So what's funny is that... Uh, they say that CBD versus THC is that um, CBD doesn't have a psychoactive effect, and I actually feel like that's a poor that's a poor categorization because any time that a substance enters like your body like that, uh, any time it changes your state of being, I find it to be a psychoactive, uh, even if it doesn't, uh, even if it does uh, regulation more so that it actually changes or elevates the state it's still a psychoactive effect it's just a cbd psychoactive effect is so synergetic that you could barely sense it uh why is that you wonder well it's actually because it's all interacting with something known as the endocannabinoid system and the endocannabinoid system is a nice little system that we're all born with right and what is it responsible for? It is responsible for essentially what we know as homeostasis, which is the regulation of all of your systems within your body. And since we have like six, I think it's like six main systems that create and regulate all of the functions of our body, you can say that the endocannabinoid system or homeostasis is what's responsible for all these systems still working in tandem to each other. Uh, homeostasis was responsible for all these systems be basically be able to live on top of each other and so what cannabis does is it works with the endocannabinoid system that functions with this homeostasis basically meaning that you are helping facilitate these systems that are functioning in your body it doesn't take them over it literally just enhances that process in some degree based on the actual combination of cannabinoids um, in that in this plant um, and that's what's uh, truly like uh, kind of the first, this is what breaks down like kind of one of the first myths that I find to exist over cannabis is that this one myth, it's the first myth about THC and its intoxicating effects um, and how the fact that it is labeled as intoxicating and that this, intox this label of intoxication is what gave it its position as a schedule one narcotic with no medicinal value in the eyes of the federal government, which is absolutely ridiculous because it, oh, it, the only thing it does is medicinal, you know, like it doesn't do anything intoxicating. And I actually think that intoxicating is a pretty poor choice of words uh, for like what it, for what the effect actually is, because it's not a, it's not a substance that is made to hijack your system. It is one that helps you engage with everything that is going on in your like surroundings. So basically meaning that unlike, um, like, which is completely unlike alcohol, um, unlike other hard su harder substances, like your mindset and what you use it for actually heavily determines how that effect works for you, which is different than drinking uh entirely 
and drinking will change will hijack your system no matter what your situation you're in socially or not um i always dislike the comparison to drinking because i've worked at a bar and when people drink no one everybody has this self-illusion of that they are have they're under they have superpowers or something when they're drunk that when they're inebriated that they can do anything that they want without filter or that you're seeing their true selves uh without you know without a bit of inhibition and it's just never true on the outside of that experience because like when you're drinking most drunk people are drink to match drunk energy and drunk energy is a very erratic thing it doesn't necessarily follow rhyme reason logic uh the room in and of itself drunk energy is literally just everybody is just following this chaos of unfiltered inhibition and in this energy like drunk people feel very elevated but when you are not drunk and you're looking at a group of people who are being drunk you're not seeing a group of people that's completely under control of their situation i guarantee you like just if you if you believe that you're the kind of person that operates really well when you're drunk be sober and drink and invite your friends over to drink and remain sober the entire time that you're watching them drink watch exactly what happens to the actions first of all notice yourself the first thing that happens is when you're the sober one out in a drinking situation is that you don't match the energy of the room whatever it is that they're on whatever it is that these drunk people are doing it is so much funnier it's so much more engaging it's so much whatever it is to them aside from you because you've been sitting there the entire time and nothing has really changed <laughs> most of the time except for just watching these people's behavior just get way more erratic and way less understandable uh as it goes along and no matter how hard that it tries to stay normal when you're not engaged and when you're not as inebriated as other people like the behavior misses you like it's just not as funny it's just not as engaging it's not as like it just doesn't seem as as big of a deal you know as this inebriated state and like they just mismatch each other entirely but as the sober person you end up actually mostly just accommodating for a lot of the behaviors that are happening when people are drunk because once again they lack a bit like it's a, it's an inhibition fest so they're going around making whatever decision usually what comes to mind even if they think and they're always and it's always based in this decision every 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 single trashed person always believes that they're in control of their situation and you are literally the person on the outside that is telling them no ma'am you are actually throwing up in a gutter right now you have an entire like no sir you literally your shirt is in half and you just broke a glass table i'm gonna have to get you out of here you know and like like this is literally the reality of every single person i've like when i worked in bars literally the reality of every person that i carried out of that bar always thought that they were on top of the situation and just the reality is that you're not and it's an inhibition effect but you know what happens when a bunch of people smoke weed um so here's the funny thing what happens when a lot of people smoke weed is that they it depending on how their body reacts to the strain you usually don't get anything that's more mild than what's actually happened what, what's been happening in the room uh, that's because that's what that entourage effect of cannabis does like it did combine because like what do what are you getting it's what it, what you get is more than just thc uh, that's just the that's just the bottom line alcohol literally on its own pretty much does the entire job for you um and you're getting drunk because you can't metabolize it 
uh, because it's not getting processed and it's overflowing your bloodstream. So there you go. That's all you have. But cannabis, it's not just the THC that's really doing the trick for you. You see, the thing that you're missing about that are the terpenes. And the terpenes are a very, that is where to me, like, is where this experience is built from. This is what this experience is about. Um, and this is not about, it's not about THC percentages, uh, which I have an entire soapbox about that. Um, I'm going to more than likely get into later. Um, it is not about that. It is about, we're talking about cannabis terpenes. Cannabis terpenes are various isometric hydrocarbons that are present in essential oil, especially in solvents and organic synthesis. So basically saying terpenes are found in a bunch of other things. The main main, uh, hypothesis is that the terpene profile, the dominant terpenes of a strain work in tandem with the cannabinoid content the amount of tetravocannabinol, the cannabidiol, and other cannabinoids to produce the effects people associate with different strains. This literally is why you can have strains with the same percentage number have varying effects, like, all the time. That's why there's so many. It's just because it's not just... It's like, oh gosh, you could say this about so many other things. Like, if you're a person who even likes astrology for a split second, this is literally the reason why no two Scorpios, no two Virgos, no two Aries are ever alike. It's because it's an entire blueprint of a person. Uh, It's just like what it is with weed. It's just like what it is with cannabis. These two strains, even if they are at the same percentage, uh, do not produce the same effect uh, because, simply because, we are talking about two completely different entourages of things that are going on right now. It's the reason why when you go to the doctor and they prescribe you a medication, oftentimes they are also prescribing you a medication to counteract the symptoms of that medication. It's simply because, like, you have to get an entourage most of the time to get a medicinal effect. But cannabis terpenes, they, cannabis and terpenes oftentimes are, like, the reason, or the, the buildup of this experience that everybody's after. If you think that THC is, like, primarily responsible for, like, your, all of your medicinal properties, well, it, it really isn't. Um, like, it is in tandem with all of these other, uh, like all these other cannabinoids and terpenes that where you get these medicinal properties and it, so like if you're for example if you're the kind of person who uh really likes like sleepy weed if you're the kind of person who likes to fall asleep and the only reason you're even after cannabis is because you have trouble sleeping then you're gonna wanting to look for a terp that's known as lanyl lanyl it is a tavern it's a it's the same terpene you find in like you know, like lavender and birch bark, uh, if you know your herbs, um, it's the kind of strain, it's the kind of terpene you find in strains like Dosido or like Coaster Kush. Um, it's the one that's known for super relaxing and really calming, um, those effects that like reduce anxiety, like those for people who use, who use weed, they're usually trying to go, you want to go after a terpene like that. Um, for people like me, I am the kind of person who really likes focus. Um, and I am the kind of person, I, I really don't like weed that makes me sleepy. Um, personally, I use weed that makes me focus. And there are definitely terpenes who are responsible for focus. I like strains like Super Lemon Haze and, believe it or not, Bubba Kush or uh, Blue Dream or Super Blue Tie. I like, I like weed. 
I like sativas and sativa hybrids that are primarily responsible for inducing for uh, energetic, invigorating, and focus-inducing effects. I just don't like sleepy weed. But there's like, but that's a part of it too, is that when you explore these terpene profiles and you explore these different strains, like the strain names in and of themselves are most of the time just a representative of like where they came from. Uh, so it's good to actually keep up with them, even though they seem so silly and that there's so many, it's actually a way to encompass or incorporate um, these parents and these genetics to help you understand what effects you're actually after. It's as opposed to constantly looking up uh, terpene names, um, which is probably the best way to do this uh to be honest if you're looking for a specific effect you just looking up with the terpenes and what strains those are used in is going to find you you're going to find the weed drafter so much faster than trying to remember strain names i just like doing it that way because that's um oftentimes i i'm really bad at recalling all the terpenes right off bat and I, but I can't remember what strains were used to do what. I smoked on enough weed to like basically tell which effects are moving where, what strains are mostly used in indicas, what strains are mostly used in sativas, and what the what the potential nature of these blends could possibly bring. Uh, that's why I go. That's why I go after strain names. Percentages have like absolutely nothing to do with that. And, and my biggest thing is, if you're if you're still a person who believes that percentages are a very determinative part of your experience, then I invite you to basically tell me, in fact, two things. One, why isn't Everclear the best-selling alcohol of all time, since it is basically one of the highest percentage alcohols you can find on the shelf, and why this principle doesn't correlate. And two, is that if you can tell me the difference between smoking something at 12.85% and 13%, if you can physically tell me what the difference of that of those two things is in the same strain, if you smoke banana punch at 13% and then you smoke a banana punch at 18% and you can tell me a vast difference, or like really just we're we're talking about the minute differences, because they they can you can tell to me a slight difference in the percentages maybe based on the cultivation techniques like you can see that if a strain normally comes to test around like a range of like 13 to 20 and sometimes you get it at 24 then you might have you probably got like a really good batch on that cultivation does that mean that this weed is better than it normally would be or at any other given point probably not if you're a person that doesn't smoke a hybrid if you're the person that smokes indicas, getting a super lemon haze at 26% is not going to really be the weed you're looking for. You see what I mean? Like, you're going to, you're still a person, most people when they think of potent weed anyway, think of uh, indicas. They think of the stuff that puts them to sleep, that took them on the couch, that made them silly. And that's what they think potency is. And then potency, of course, uh, based on this equivalency is like, oh, well, I gotta look at percentages on that. And it's like, no, not really. Um, because like you can smoke a 13% wheat that will knock you on your couch. Literally you can. And with the right terpene profiles, you usually will. Like, it's just, it just simply is like, it's just simply to say that like, if you, if you, if you base it on a number, you're actually giving yourself a very hard time trying to determine or differentiate your experience in cannabis. Because I can't tell you, I've smoked so much weed, I cannot tell you the difference in a percentage. I can't tell you what it's like to smoke it. And if, if you think that you can, based on your experience, then I would invite you to a join a research facility and give them your thesis on how that works. 
on how you can really detect the different the minute differences in experiences in percentage and how they can probably prove improve that experience for you because like I, because to me it's 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 absolutely our it's that's probably the most arbitrary thing in cannabis that exists uh thc percentages are on slapped on something because that's what the government's that's literally what the federal government says is the intoxicating that's that's enough research they looked at they said it was the intoxicating cannabinoid thus we got to look at it we're going to test its percentages we got to slap that on everything in order to remain compliant to the federal to the laws of the federal government based on the substance however comma its focus is only for them to regulate and not actually how this experience is based it's just we have to put it on stuff you know and if you're the kind of person that thinks that that's a determinant of your experience, do you also do that with your alcohol? Do you also do that with your food? Do you look at the percentages of your saturated fat content versus your calories versus your whatever every single time? And do you go after the highest or the lowest? But it's to understand that those definitions of percentages are, basic, are basically there for regulation. And if you understand the finite principles of what these things are, then those percentages matter. But if you don't know what they are or don't know what part of the body they function for, paying attention to numbers is absolutely going to get you nowhere. It, it just it just won't like in almost any other thing that you do. And that's including cannabis. Um, so. Um, that's pretty much my soapbox about percentages. Like, really, if you think your percentages are smoking in your flower are too low, smoke hash. That's where most 30, 40% stuff is. Um, if you don't think that, if you don't like smoking hash for some reason because it's too much for you, then I'm almost dead certain that you just really need to change your knowledge on how cannabis works. But if that's not enough for you, then you might as well start smoking concentrates. Both of them sort of 55% and higher if that's what you really into. Concentrates are a fantastic way to smoke we can get into that um i actually think that there's that that's a fan it's like hey because here's here's the difference is that like when most people walk into especially percentage uh percentage changes when most people walk into a, a, a dispensary the first thing you see is first well, most people get overwhelmed by the varying amount of products that they see all of a sudden it's not you're not just looking at jars of weed you're looking at tinctures topicals edibles transdermal creams patches like you're like seeing this is a world of cannabis that obviously varies meaning that there's more to this world than just thc and cbd percentages and milligram doses like milligram doses are pretty important um for dosing your experience um but other than that like it's pretty much like there's if the the varying amount of content that you see the number of strains that exist on the table and the fact that if you're probably looking at a menu more than likely you're only seeing the percentages at a random point and not uh, like associated with the strain and not like a book of like 80 percent and above product and 30 percent and below product is like is not how that book is divided there's it should be enough to me like if you're a person who believes in common sense there's that should be enough common sense for you to tell you this is also an argument as to why i don't think common exists common sense is actually as useful as a tool as people may honestly believe is because to me common sense would have told you that thc percentages are obviously like i only had out of the couple years i've been in this industry i've only literally had one customer ever actually ask me the most valid question from a non-smoker's perspective and he's like well what's the other 80 percent thank you 
thank you that guy i don't even remember his name i remember exactly what it looks like and i don't even remember his name but i told him i wanted to i think i thanked him for that experience because he was the first consumer that ever actually asked me a relevant question in the cannabis industry what do you think is the other 80 percent when you're looking at a thc percentage of 20 percent 18 percent what do you think the other percentages are I'm, I'm, I was giving you a little bit of a time. I'm sorry to feel like if I'm being a bit facetious about this experience. I understand that this is world. This world is very new to a lot of people. But if you're not asking, to me, there's like there are a lot of questions that you can ask. Um, that there's a lot of questions you really should ask more so um and there are a lot of information there's a lot of information about cannabis based on the federal government that to me is just personally misleading um and like that and that's just that's just primarily one of them it just leads people like around a path of ignorance around like what cannabis does and even like other things that about like that are responsible of like like what are okay so let's go into this what are what is what is the other 80 percent of cannabis you got what let's let's talk about a couple other cannabinoids that are actually getting to be pretty popular in extraction one of them is cbc which is like oh how do i pronounce this cannabitrochromine um Bicochromine. It's basically CBC is uh, um, and once again non non intoxicating as a cannabinoid in and of itself um, that is responsible for like cell growth and cellular regeneration. Mostly stuff that's good for anti-inflammatory, anti-tumor principles. You see it used for breast cancer and like acne, depression, muscle aches, and pains. Uh, mostly right now, the best way you can find a lot of the cannabinoids I'm even about to describe is going to be in an edible form. And that's primarily because most of these cannabinoids are like what uh, THE becomes or what is what becomes THC when it's activated. So you have to extract a lot of this stuff before THC is activated. And there's a very small window for that. And we don't have a lot of room for research, unfortunately, because the federal government tied everything behind um, by behind bars. And so you're there's not enough research or room to research how the best ways to get these extractions to occur. But, you know, we're working on it. And a lot of other places have actually, at least for like most of these cannabinoids, they're not highly regulated um, and you can't extract them. It, it's just it takes a large yield to sometimes extract a significant amount to put it inside of an edible or inside of any product so which is also the other reason why you don't see these extractions very widely or regularly right now um so another point in principle but yeah so here's another popular one that's like coming out uh cannabinoid uh cannabinol i love that cbn uh the sleepy that's the the knock you out cannabinoid the the sleepy strain uh cbn is the one that's literally responsible for the drowsy effect actually cbn is what weed becomes um thc if you if left to degrade becomes cannabinol um if you left your weed out in the sun uh the best way to describe this is like let's just say you left your weed in a glass jar or something like that an open glass jar that was near a light source and you let it degrade over a period of like you know a year or two um you can still smoke it but if you did the first thing that would happen he's probably just get really really sleepy and that's really that's because that's what that thc broke down into um it turns cbn is actually a pretty mild set a mild sed sedative but it also has antibacterial and neuro uh, neuroprotected uh, properties as well as being an appetite stimulant um the appetite stimulant with those sleepy properties ends up being like a way to boost your metabolism during your rem cycle so that you're actually processing food and creating energy and stuff for when you wake up and sleep so right on 
um, there you go. It's mostly used for insomnia, arthritis, glycoma, ALS. Um, there's a there's another one that's actually kind of uh, really popular um, that's coming out is CBG uh, uh, cannabigerol. Uh, CBG is kind of mysterious. It's probably the least known uh, THC. Uh, it's probably the least known like cannabinoid right now, uh, cannabinoid that we're dealing with right now, simply because like it's just known as the gastrointestinal uh, cannabinoid. It's the one that deals with like nausea symptoms and uh, irritation. It like combats stuff that associated with Crohn's disease, IBS. Uh, gastrointestitis, on just an upset stomach in general. Like honestly, CBG is the cannabinoid that's responsible with getting much of those uh, much those much needed gastrointestinal um, effects. So, I uh, so what's interesting is that most of these can still be formed in edibles or put into edibles simply because you can only extract such a small amount of it. Um, that's probably also the most uh, direct way to ingest it. Um, and speaking of edibles, like that's an interesting thing. Here, here's where we get to an interesting crossroad about THC, um, is that THC, when ingested as an edible, actually doesn't remain THC mostly throughout the system. Um, when you're taking an edible, odds are you're actually only getting maybe, statistically, it's like less than half of the milligrams that you're actually ingesting. Uh, truthfully, it's probably only about 4% of that remains THC by the time it gets into your system if it's not burned off and transformed into something else. But what remains in your system is a cannabinoid we like to, a little famous cannabinoid we like to call 11-hydroxy. And 11-hydroxy is very suggestible. That's my word for it. 11-hydroxy um, basically is uh, it's produced in the body when delta-9 THC, uh, which most people just you know know as THC, is broken down. After it's been swallowed, it basically is metabolized and it produces um, that metabolite. As, and it's generally more, it's actually like six times more psychoactive, six to ten times more psychoactive than THC. It's very bodily oriented. Uh, so it does not feel like the same thing as a traditional smoker's high. It's actually very sedating. It's usually uh, more on that sedating or and or euphoric end of of, of having of experiencing high. It's much more dedicated, um, usually to me because it's body oriented. But the interesting principle of it is because is simply because it breaks down into 11 hydroxy when it enters the system. Uh, it cannot truly be derived into an indica, a true indica or sativa experience, because a lot of the terpenes are also broken down into that in, in that experience. However, it's there is a theory that adding terpenes, the more terpenes you still end up adding into experience, that it still can kind of curve uh, what that 11-hydroxy like suggests. Uh, so like that's sort of where you get like a lot of companies still trying to make like uh, strain specific or strain oriented uh, edibles but mostly it's just like if you want to, to to kind of prove exactly the point of what electron hydroxy is capable of um, just go to a dispensary buy a whole pack of sativa edibles and then try to sleep on them I almost guarantee you will and if you went and bought 100 milligrams of an entire 100 milligrams of an indica uh, set of indica gummies and you took them all and then went on a hike i almost guarantee you you're not going to just like pass out in the mid walk or mid stride you're actually probably going to get a really euphoric really energetic body effect out of the out of that experience and it's just simply that once again 11 hydroxy is really just based on like what you're doing at the time period and probably the most specific uh, the one high that's more specifically 
weight based on your mindset and your activity more so than any other high that you can get out of any other extraction. And speaking of extractions, there are so many other forms of extractions that exist outside of just edibles and weed. That's when you get into things like tinctures and topicals and transdermal creams. Um, I like transdermal creams because they're a set of relief that you can get without like really getting high. If you just want pain, if you just really need like something that's just going to be quick, pain relief, not going to leave you in a really weird state for a while. Like a lot of uh, cream, muscle creams and um, a lot of muscle creams and muscle freezes and whatnot have like a really strong like medicinal smell or like also have a really large tingling effect or burning sensation on most of those and a lot of transdermals in cannabis don't um so that's my favorite part um some of the most effective transdermal creams don't even really feel or smell like anything um some of them are kind of scented based on the some of the serpent profiles that they use but um they don't really do they don't really smell like anything what do they feel like well a lot of them are just like once you apply it probably about 20 minutes later you, you forgot that you needed to apply anything um like that's mostly have my effect my uh, experiences on a lot of transdermal creams i applied in an area of pain probably close to about 20 minutes to 45 minutes later i i just don't feel the pain anymore no tingling no weird sensation no hyper no like a psychoactive effect involved um most once again thc and usually in those instances is mostly just to help facilitate in fact the reception of what other cannabinoids are in that system um we're also in this, uh, I guess, in this cocktail here. Uh, so, yeah, I like transdermal creams. Transdermal patches work essentially the same way, just over a time release period. So, once again, no psychoactive thing that's really coming on. Though, I don't recommend sleeping on any patches because they just give you weird dreams if you've ever ended up accidentally doing something like that. Um, these things are no exception. So, um, then you got tinctures. And what's interesting about tinctures is that I like, believe it or not, to me, tinctures are actually the best thing for first-time users, um, even though it's not very widely popular as a form of ingestion. Um, tinctures probably sell the least amount, um, and but yet they are by far the most, I think, like a useful edible form of edible or uptake oral uptake that you can have because a once again it's like sublingual so it works with like instantly pretty much like you're getting an onset effect within less than 20 minutes um usually at a dosage that's like way more way more than fair um most of the time you're getting like most droppers don't contain more than a milligram um of like the whatever uh whatever set of cannabinoids and other terpene terpenes are being used in that uh extraction so like and it, it's very great for like if you're the kind of person who needs like a high medicinal product uh large cb and cbg uh dosage and something really fast for that effect a tincture is going to be the most direct delivery system you can possibly ever have um and they're usually much more expensive um simply, simply because of like how much goes into extracting them um however comma they are if you're looking for an edible you don't like the dedicated high of an edible but still need a medicinal effect can't smoke um because of your situation don't like con don't like concentrates or vapes or anything like that tinctures are literally your best bet um 
And if you're not even sure about cannabis products in general, like if you've never smoked before and you don't want to start smoking now, and you've heard all these kind of crazy stories about edibles and don't know what to think about that either, uh, tinctures are literally here for you. Like tinctures are there to like help you guide yourself in that experience. You're literally getting a dosage that's so low that you're more than likely not going to experience any kind of heavy psychoactive effect at all. Like, <laughs> and but you will get enough of an indicator to get some of those effects work in your endocannabinoid system and that's like that's that's the basic experience of that too um i um personally like concentrates uh if you're still on the smoker's in uh, another form of extraction that i really enjoy is concentrates um concentrates are fantastic for the smoker who likes a temperature controlled experience once again carcinogens with smoking weed makes smoking weed not available and not in, in the most available oral uptake source for everybody um, some people just don't like the smell and that's just kind of a thing um, concentrates are for those kind of people like if carcinogens are a little too harsh concentrates to give you a little like a good chance to temperature control your experience as well as control the smell because most concentrates don't really smell like anything or they smell like exactly like they're implied um, like a lot of vape oils like to use uh, like to use flavored terpenes um, in their distillates to get them to smell like certain things like blueberries and pumpkin spice and everything like and they're usually responsible for getting you to smell like getting your weed does not smell like weed so you can have a very um uh, incognito or inconspicuous experience you know just in case you don't want anybody actually like you know figuring out like if just just you want if you want a low-key experience um i also like concentrate simply because once again they're higher concentration um and so you need a lot less of it in order to get the same kind of a cannabis or a smoker's high experience um so you can preserve like thusly keep it preserving your experience a little bit longer plus they're like much more flavorful um you get a better taste of what strains actually taste like um, depending on the concentrate that you're using. Um, I'm a really big fan of Life Batter. It looks amazing. Um, it's one of my favorite. It's like, it's the most workable thing that I like to use, concentrate that I like to use in my setup. Um, and it, it's just by, it's just so tasty all the time as far as like what it can really provide uh, as an experience. So um, yeah, I... Um, so like the, like these are these are pretty much the most basic forms of extractions that you kind of get around in the area and um, are like that, that we've seen so far um, along with all the cab uh, the cannabinoids that we've been able to like kind of produce with them um, so yeah so how does this affect you as the consumer um, out of all this information, like what is, what are the things that you're there to experience whenever you get there, when you get inside to a legal state? Well, first of all, I want to like go ahead and, uh, warn this, this segment is about the warnings that you normally get as a non-legal consumer going into a legal state. Um, is that first of all, cause we get it, you get a lot of people that do this and unfortunately, uh, a lot of sales and laws that we have are... Uh, in this industry are literally built towards uh, preventing the nature of underage sales. That's like the whole re underlining red tape under, that's the whole reason why they say that half these laws exist is that we're trying to prevent the nature of underage sales, which is, you know, a noble thing, but uh, 
truth be told, if you really want to get down to that, how that works, um, if you legal, if you do federally decriminalize cannabis and allow it to legally flourish in every state, then you won't have your 13 year old who's going down the street to go get weed, uh, from some dude who got it from some other guy, uh, simply because like here, because when you make an illegal state, now everybody has to, everybody's going to the store to go and get it. And legally we have to check everybody's IDs. So, and if you're selling it on the street, you're not taking IDs, you're not giving receipts, you're not giving batch numbers and everything that we made to feel safe about the industry. Um, if you don't decrypt, if you keep it criminalized, then you make it unsafe for the people in your state. Um, and so many more ways than just one, uh, than just the fact that it is quote unquote criminal because there's nothing criminal about cannabis, but as long as there's laws that saying that it is criminal, it is a very dangerous thing to do. Um, in those states and it's unfortunate um, and so like that's one of the things to help protect you is that uh, knowing that what a every law is basically centered around facilitating not facilitating underage sales uh, so meaning that like you can't take state of stuff across state lines uh, first of all doesn't matter if you're going into a legal state another legal state it does it, like because it's federally decriminalized the whole point being is that you can't cross state lines with it um if you end up even if you got it from a legal place if you end up in a, a in a criminalized state you're just gonna have a bad time more than likely they're gonna bully you even harder for crossing state lines and for us uh in the industry a lot of people bunters will tell you that it, it is their job to tell you that you are you basically we're facilitating the sale under the assumption that you are going to consume everything within the state lines and are not trying to take it over um it, a lot of people always try to ask like what do i get to do to fly with this and everything the answer is that you don't uh, if you want to know how to take those edibles across state line uh, across state lines the only way you're going to be able to do so is if you consume that entire package before you get to the airport and that and then by the, they'll probably kick in by the time you get into airport security um and at that point in time you're gonna be the navigator of your own experience because uh yeah um that's the only way you can legally take anything across state lines if you smoke it and you are high on the experience because legally is not a crime to be high uh but it is a crime to carry um and that sucks but that's just how that is and the last thing we want in any capacity based on the oppression that's come from such a silly criminal estate is to for people to get in trouble for legally consuming um so this is one of those laws you have to consume everything in state even if you're going to a state that's legal um usually in the states that are legal you have to consume on private property so in your home um, there are places that have like smoking lounges, but COVID kind of put a damper on a lot of other, a lot of stuff that was developing with that. Um, and there are a lot of ridiculous laws centered around that too. Um, but still, uh, if they were, because to me, like, for example, if we were going to consider it, we, we treat like, once again, all these laws exist simply because we treat cannabis like a narcotic and a substance, uh, like that, but we don't even treat some of the substances that are out there like this. Uh, for example, like if we were to treat bars or alcoholic substances in the same nature as to how we did cannabis then essentially like every restaurant that sold alcohol would not be able to sell alcohol in a particular side of the restaurant uh everybody who plans to purchase alcohol would all have to sit behind this beaded area 
um, like this that was completely separated, marked 21 and over, and everybody had to be on that side. Um, you couldn't have anybody, you had to check every ID that would have to come in, and the only thing they would ever be able to sell essentially would be like the beer or the liquor or anything that they produce in that shop. Um, nobody can, they, you know, or whatever um i imagine mostly there's they don't even i don't even looked up the vendor laws around that uh, which is probably something i should have done um but i know that most of the ones that I've, I've seen is that they are only allowed to sell like if you're a restaurant that sells cannabis infused products uh you can only sell cannabis that you infuse basically um so like no outside products that you can just come in and prepackage to sell and stuff like that um all of it has to be within a uh, all of it has to be done in that 10 milligram dosage you can't serve more than like uh so basically okay so if you had an alcoholic if you if you did that so basically you'd have to have all of your alcoholic customers sit behind a beaded, uh, behind a beaded area um you would only be able to serve them essentially like two drinks like in total uh the entire time they were there or three drinks in total actually uh, probably less than that if we're talking about purely pure milligram to percentage uh, translation alcohol by volume translation then really you can't serve anybody more than two drinks in total um and the entire time that they're there at the experience and then they would have to be dedicated to that experience for at least like three to four hours i believe um like they would have to take their keys they can drive everybody that was there at that party would be under the stipulation um yeah and uh so like it's great because we have bars that operate under the same things but we have restaurants that don't um and cannabis restaurants are not a thing mostly because they're very expensive uh to try to regulate they made the red tape behind that so kind of ridiculous it's not even really all that enjoyable because um i mean like i get uh, regulating edibles if you're especially if you're doing cannabis infused edibles at like 20 milligrams uh because that could be a very heavy experience for a non-smoker um, so yeah, I get understanding, completely understanding, regulating the milligram usage, um, on a cannabis sense, but it's all about the, it's all about the red tape that we're deciding to put it with, uh, to put with this, um, in my experience, if we're gonna, if whatever you allow, it's gotta be at the essentially, essentially at the nature of whatever you allow for drinkers is what you need to allow for smokers. And if you're going to regulate smokers, then you probably should regulate drinking because drinking is way more dangerous. Anyways, um, so another law is that you are only if you're coming in into a legal state you are only purchasing for yourself um even if you have other party that's with you in uh, uh like you get, you're only purchasing for yourself um don't ever say that you're purchasing for your grandmother for your spouse for anybody that's not in the room with you uh that's there making that purchase with you we can't facilitate that even if they're of age can't facilitate it even if it's you think it's casual please just don't say it only because there's no way to verify for us as people to verify or confirm that the person that you're referring to is actually of age or ends thusly like it's a bad time a lot of places will kick you out if you start talking about it um yeah and it's le it's like Legal, like federally a law that a lot of places have to facilitate some places are, are not so strict about it some places will give you like a three strike rule and just be like a subtle reminder like hey we're only selling to you some places have literally a strict law that will like the moment you say you're trying to facilitate the sale to anybody else they'll just end the sale right then and there and legally there's nothing to be done about it so only pre just pretend that you're selling to yourself that you're only buying for yourself you know like don't mention it don't wink wink nudge nudge just you're buying weed for yourself um and nobody else like please don't uh it, it coincides with the whole like why you can't take it across state lines 
Um, you can't even be on the phone. That's the reason why you can't be on the phone at a bedroom. Uh, because once again, we can't confirm people that aren't there. Um, it's also like kind of part of that whole thing about like, when you talk about selling to somebody else that, or buying weed for somebody else that is in the room, uh, some t- odds are that could be somebody that's also in the car. And if that person is in the car is underage and it's just sitting there and like we find out about that, like the whole thing's done, you know, like you can't come back. Like, just don't put yourself at risk thinking that you're being slick because um, it's that's not slick. We actually have laws about that. Um, there's not even a wink, wink, nudge, nudge situation. It's like you can get kicked out of a dispensary for even remotely trying to talk about it. Please just don't do it. It's not. It's like to, to understand the severity of this. Let's just say that you decided to take your edibles or whatever across the state line and um, you get caught with them and uh, they see that your edibles came from a certain dispensary and you're just like, oh, well, bud tender so-and-so told me that uh, it was okay to take me across state lines or whatever if I was just safe about it or whatever. Guess what happens to bud tender so-and-so? They lose their badge and they probably get a $5,000 fine at bare minimum, depending on the age of the person that ended up saying that to the police officer. Because in some states, uh, medical you can buy purchase medical marijuana uh, or you can have a medical marijuana card at 18. So if an 18-year-old in a non-legal state all of a sudden ends up with that, guess what? You're still, not only did you like facilitate a sale across state lines, you're also facilitating a sale to a minor. Like that goes doubly as hard. We're talking about like $500,000 up to a fine and not only losing your badge, but possibly jail time just because you thought you were being slick or that it wasn't that bad. So unfortunately, just even, even in those cases, just please like, just we're selling to you you're pretty much consuming it right then and there don't take it anywhere else um and what what's the other big what's the other big one um always people like to say um oh yeah your limit your carry limit uh, recreationally in the state of colorado at least uh your carry limit is two ounces you can carry up to two ounces you can only buy up to an ounce uh any given every every 24 hours you can only buy up to an ounce. It's 28 grams. That's your carry limit. Uh, it divides edibles uh, by ace, so you can only carry up to eight edibles. Um, and uh, recreationally, if they're all 10 milligrams, you can only carry up to eight of those. Uh, there's actually some uh, leeway in that if you're buying topicals, because uh, oftentimes topicals contain less than a milligram of THC. Um, so you can buy as many of those as you want per day. Um, certain edibles have less than 50 milligrams of THC, so you can actually buy up to 16 of those, uh, depending, that's really about the specificity of the brand you're buying. But anyways, you can't buy more than, usually if they're a 100 milligram package, you can't buy more than 8, because they're all considered 8s. It's the same thing as concentrates for now. They're thinking about changing the law for concentrates for adults, or for like under 18 or something like that, or even for adults that are like... You can only have, you can only purchase like a gram or like two grams of concentrate a day, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and they're doing it literally once again, based on percentage numbers and not actually on research. Um, and yeah, it's absolutely blowing my mind. Um, but that's another one. You have a rec- uh, uh, recreational limit. Yes, they, yes, we do check. Um, you do have to go through, you, you have to go through an entire ID verification when you go into these places. If you go in and buy an ounce at one place and think that you're going to be able to skim another ounce off of another, you're going to have a bad time. Oftentimes you do have to check. Um, and so, and honestly, an ounce, is, an ounce of weed is like a, a really, uh, sort of, that's a lot of weed for a single person. 
So if you're trying to buy more than an ounce, it's pretty obvious that you're like skimming and probably trying to turn it over in the black market. And trust me, a lot of us are really keen on that because a lot of us have been there. And like, we know what that looks like. Usually like we know what that looks like. We know what that seems like. Uh, and like a lot of stuff in the industry is like built towards anti-skimming and like, um, what's, what's the term for it? Um, I don't remember the term for it, but basically whatever you're trying to turn it over on, uh, on a black market, uh, for that, we're literally once again, trained to like, try to determine that type of thing coming from people. Really, it's just not a good time. Um, you can grow your own plants here. So like, um, like you might as well just do that. If you're the kind of person don't, don't, don't skim from a dispensary, honestly, like if you're just going to try to turn it over or whatever, if you're going to run the risk of putting it on the black market, you might as well just do the whole thing yourself. If you're running it through a dispensary, more than likely you're just going to have a worse time because they're probably going to catch you on that. So yes, um, no, you can't mail things across state lines. You can't, that's crossing state lines. You can't do that. So you can't mail your product anywhere. Um, paraphernalia is a different story, which is interesting, uh, which is why we can have head shops, um, because these paraphernalia is also made to smoke tobacco, quote unquote, and, uh, once again, kind of an arbitrary law and from perspective matter as to like why that exists. But yeah, this is the reason why you can see people send glass pipes and bongs across state lines, but why you can't send weed is simply because it's once again, it's not, it, pipes don't contain THC. So that's like kind of another thing. You can actually purchase uh, your pipes and bongs from online services and have those mailed across state lines. Um, so that's something that's a little tidbit of information if you just wanted to know that if you live in a non-legal state. Um, honestly, from a non-legal state standpoint, it's absolutely ridiculous as to why these non-legal states actually still have these laws in place considering that there's nothing criminal about them and that there's the moral stigma behind those, uh, like the people who use them is like completely null and void because the people who smoke weed, they look like everybody. Uh, the people who are like trying to make a profit off of weed, they look like everybody. And there's no moral stipulation on that. And like, it's weird because I know a lot of those states are Southern that still have the stigma on it. And, you know, uh, I'm going to pick on a few for, for a second. Um, Alabama. I'm going to start with, actually, no, I'm going to start with Arkansas because Arkansas is kind of like, I, I only hark on Alabama because I care about it. Uh, I don't really care much about Arkansas right now. Um, I never really did. And, uh, you know, no offense to the people who actually really live in Arkansas, but yes, offense to all the people who run Arkansas as a state, because like you guys mostly kept your segregation laws until like 1985. And that was not that long ago. My brother still that my brother was born in 1985. Okay. You know, like, and you kept your segregation laws literally up until that point. So D, so a desegregation period would literally would have started for you guys in like the nineties. Um, and so here we are at like the mid two thousands, so like, um, twenties and the two thousands. And like, we're just now kind of seeing you guys progress on that. I've been to Little Rock Central. Uh, you literally have a museum that talks about the entirety history, the entire history of that high school right across the street from it. And guess what? It's next to the state capital, and you can't even tell. Uh, because of the depravity that exists there still and just like the way you handled like situations of racism um, And like that that whole thing where you cleaned up the outside didn't touch the inside for decades That's sort of how you're still sticking with cannabis and those cannabis legislations are like just as kind of like not really uh, reflecting how much uh, knowledge you have on the inside uh, as far as like 
even implementing these things all right like you're again arkansas arkansas unfortunately feels like the last state that would even remotely try um and that is simply because it, it would almost seem like they're trying to outdo the state of alabama which pretends like it's trying to do a good thing but then doesn't um and once again this is not a stigma to say that everybody in the south is dumb this is a stigma to say that the people who run the south are really dumb because i personally think so as well i mean when you elect an official just simply because he has godly values and all this other stuff and like literally every single christian there seems to demonize weed but un, 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 completely unaware of the fact that your god made it if you're a religious person you should understand that cannabis was put here on this planet for us to use by your god please accept that it's not a bad thing to use if probably if you smoke during a ceremony if you probably smoke during your sermons you probably understand them so much better to be honest like if you allowed cannabis to be a part of your services and more than likely you will find yourself in a deeper relationship to god than you possibly could have ever understood but you know if you're gonna listen to politicians and stuff like that before you listen to literally the person that made you um yeah i i that's your own personal reconciliation but case in point a lot of people need it and a lot of people you think that you that are using it um actually look like you um and are you <laughs> more than likely um and yeah so you should allow that to be around for everybody um yeah and on top of that like the the legislation that they're actually talking about having is really just not all that beneficial they want to regulate things that are like pretty much on a nature on a nature that's not necessarily all um all that medicinal or beneficial So that's when we kind of get into the little bit of those legal extractions um, that we were talking about. The Delta 8, Delta 7, Delta 10, I think, are all the other ones that are talking about. The ones that are showing up in some of the legal, the non-legal states as like an acceptable form of cannabis. And here's the truth about why it's considered an acceptable form of cannabis in those states is it's primarily because those derivatives like delta 8 for example is literally like a portion of the delta 9 isotope that's just basically known to be like significantly like 50 percent less effective uh than delta than delta 9 um and thusly is like why it's accepted because it's known to have the only it's literally i can tell you the only reason they accepted this delta 8 in these states is because they looked at the period of information that says that it has a potently and potential and like a potently and significantly less of a psychoactive effect than delta 9 and that was what allowed that to be in your state as far as every other principle that it actually carries it does everything worse than delta 9 it is like basically like um how to put this if you're a person who uh if you're if you're a soda drinker and you are the person who likes classic coke guess what you're you've been drinking diet coke this entire time actually not even that you've been drinking coke zero um and like they've been telling you that it's good you know like you should drink coke zero it tastes better kind of a thing and that's exactly the kind of uh nature of like delta 9 or like delta 8 delta 7 and delta 10 thc uh products are basically saying in legal states is that like oh this is better for you because it has zero calories kind of a thing and it's like actually no it's literally taking the principle of what these things are and like skimming you on them like you're not getting the full medicinal values, the full medicinal properties, uh, or the full range of effects that is truly offered with Delta 9 THC. 
Um, they're basically just trying to skim the effects for you to try to say that there's a safe and legal version of it when the safe and legal version of it already exists. Um, so, you know, I'm glad that there is some form of these uh, edibles and uh, extractions like reaching non-legal states, but really it's just, it's still just as tragic as anything else. It's like you're accepting, it's like accepting bare minimum at best, you know, saying like, well, at least we got it when it's like literally on the other side of the world we're not only just have it but we get the full version of it thrive on it don't have a stigma behind it and everybody gets it and it's it's freely available for everybody and it's just the south is so behind on such concepts like that i always feel like the only way that they can exist and this is why i, I mostly bring my stigma to the people that run it because they feel like the only way to exist is perpetuate it uh, is to perpetuate all the stuff they've done because they feel like it's kept them safe and it's like yo they're literally like there's a reason why you're behind on a lot of other things is because you have to evolve with the way that you view things with the way this all works um you demonize like you you demonize a lot of stuff in the past that didn't work out for you um i mean come on now you perpetuated segregation and like you perpetuated segregation and the oppression of colored people for so long thinking that this was a morally righteous thing to do and it turns out like here we are so many years later and you're kind of looking like the bad guys for doing it for so long especially because your state literally crumbles because uh you made it you you, you tried to write it into its infrastructure and so now even to the point where cannabis is used to like target these people to target us to target my friends in fact that they're like allowing that to like once again cr like create a crumbling infrastructure for the entirety of the state when cannabis is literally one of the only things that can save it every one of you smoke weed down there every person that's below a elected government official guarantee you they smoke weed knows somebody that does knows that it's not the most terrible thing or criminal or it's going to derive you from that it's not a witch hunt like everybody smokes weed it's fine and allowing that to take place would actually make your state a lot safer of a place to be. But because you constantly oppress human notions, human medicine, with a stigma of somehow that religious oppression, that this religious oppression, this religious approach, in fact, um, the stifled religious approach, in fact, is like the way that we're supposed to come about this. This is the reason why this state is still in a very depraved place. If you allow cannabis to take hold and actually do its thing, you're gonna start to find some real healing in that place. And I mean real healing. It's like, it's it's kind of deplorable, in fact. It's like literally the one of the biggest signs. It's like you can't even allow this industry to take hold, but instead you rather build Honda plants, you know, and uh, build in, like build these nightmarish, literally screaming metal death traps of places to work and say that that is more beneficial and productive to your entire state than putting legal cannabis in it which i guarantee you would like actually create the state to flourish like there isn't a single person out there who wouldn't be interested in joining that can and joining the cannabis industry you would never run out of people who wouldn't want to work for it because it's a wonderful thing and you literally just want to put a taper on that just because you want to seem morally righteous to who i wonder because it's definitely not to us it's definitely not to the people who live there. Like, there's so many people who try to make an exodus out of Alabama because of your quote-unquote morally, morally righteous dependency on this, on this, this perpetuation. Um, and this is like kind of—it's just a really—it's a really telling thing. It's like you don't want to accept cannabis into your life because then you would have to admit all the all the those morally righteous mistakes you made. 
and as a state that's just like it's it's hard to live that way it's hard to really say that you've you've actually done anything progressive when you sit on those principles it's why a lot of us like me personally had to leave because you're not it's not a great place you know you're not making it a great place by especially by keeping cannabis out like it's not even it's it's there's so many people that need this there's so many people that come in both because they're just not simply because they're just trying to get as high as they possibly can there are people in there they're searching for healing it's the reason why i decided to be a bud tender it's the reason why i continue to be a bud tender is because i when i'm sitting here behind a bar and i'm sitting here behind a bar selling people a product they really need on the daily it helps them get through their day it helps them regulate their systems it helps them not feel pain every night it helps them eat their food on the daily helps them go to sleep it helps them go to sleep helps them just do the things that we all just so desperately need on the daily just to survive it just helps make facilitate those things there's nothing about that that makes anyone a criminal the only criminal thing about this whole entire situation is in fact that it's criminalized truly the, the 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 nature of criminalizing the substance of cannabis is the only criminal thing about the subject of cannabis thank you for listening if you like the content that you heard then go ahead and tune in weekly i'll try to have something uploaded for you every week so that you can get a chance to digest that throughout time if you have any subject matters that you want to hear me speak about or wish to talk about yourself go ahead and leave me a voice message i will send in a link in the description as well as any other shared links that i'll have with this podcast thank you once again and that I hope that this perspective helps you create a roadmap to yourself.